0: Hi there, this is John from the FreeGiftFromGod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I've found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All of this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God, and it can be downloaded freely at the FreeGiftFromGod.com website. Today I'm looking at the six foundations of Christianity in this chapter, which will be covered over the next few weeks as there's too much to put into a single podcast. This is part three, so let me continue reading and I hope you find something of value in the insights the Lord has given to me. The next of the six foundations is laying on hands. Laying on hands is another of the foundation teachings that does not seem to be widely practiced in many of the modern churches. There are examples in the Bible where people laid their hands on others for receiving the Holy Spirit, for healing the sick, for appointment to ministry, appointment of elders, and Jesus laid his hands on children to bless them. In all cases, the laying on of hands was accompanied with prayer for a particular purpose or to achieve some specific end. It may have been to seek the Lord for a healing, or to appoint a person to become an elder, or something else. But suffice it to say that in all cases where there was laying on of hands – There was prayer and intercession to the Lord God involved. Sadly, there are churches that do not use or accept the laying on of hands for the purposes identified in the Bible. But if the church is to operate correctly, then all parts of the church and all of the ordinances prescribed in the church need to be working as Christ intended for his church. Laying on of hands is one of those parts that should operate, and it is not being practiced widely enough in the modern church. It is another part of the Foundation Ministries that the devil has successfully discredited through lies and misdirection to undermine the truth of the church. When we see the reasons why laying on of hands are to be used and why it is so important in the church, we get a glimmer of why the devil fears this activity so much. For the remainder of this subject, I'm going to focus on just one of the purposes for which laying on of the hands was used, to receive the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands is critical for the development and growth of Christians to maturity in Jesus Christ, so it is especially important in the early stages of a person's walk with Christ. Unfortunately, most churches today do not use laying on of hands for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. The prime reason why they do not do this is because the devil has blinded them from understanding why this is important, and he did this to remove the power of transformation from the church, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. So let us now look at the laying on of hands for the purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit. One of the most important uses for laying on of hands is to receive the Holy Spirit. It is something all Christians should do early in their walk with Christ. Receiving the Holy Spirit is something that many churches do not do because it's been removed from the doctrine of the church. The devil has planted lies into the church so that they do not think it is necessary to receive the Holy Spirit, or they believe that the Holy Spirit just comes upon people automatically. There are also some strange teachings about who or what the Holy Spirit is and is not. To give an example, one of the teachings in most of the churches today is the teaching of Trinity. They teach that God is made up of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They call them God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But there is nowhere in the Bible where the Holy Spirit is called God. There is no question that the Father is God, as it says, for whom and by whom all things exist, as the Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. And likewise, there is no question that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is also a God, because God the Father calls Jesus God in Hebrews 1, verses 8 and 9. But as for the Holy Spirit... There are no scriptures in the Bible that call the Holy Spirit God. So on this point alone, the doctrine of Trinity falls apart. So who or what is the Holy Spirit if he is not God? Once again, we see the answer to this in Hebrews chapter 1. It says, For to what angel did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten thee. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. Hebrews chapter one, verses five to seven. And also it says, but to what angel has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make thy enemies a stool for thy feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation hebrews chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 if we look at the work of the holy spirit he is sent to work with the people of the lord to transform them into the image of jesus christ we see this in second corinthians chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 the work of the holy spirit is to be a counselor guide teacher and so much more and you see all of these things in john 14 verse 16 verse 26 john fifteen verse twenty six and John sixteen verses seven to fifteen so when we look at the scripture in hebrews one thirteen we see that the Holy Spirit is performing the same work appointed to the angels, that is to be ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation, and we who follow Jesus Christ are those who are to obtain salvation. So it is angels who are working with us to achieve the promises of God. But when we look further at the words of Hebrews 1, verse 7, we get an even greater proof that the Holy Spirit is in fact an angel. For it says, Of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. When the disciples first received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we see the fulfillment of these words in Hebrews 1, Verse 7, it says this in Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. There were three signs that occurred when the Holy Spirit was first given to the early disciples. The rush of winds, tongues of fire, and speaking in tongues. Hebrews 1 verse 7 tells us that God makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. This event at Pentecost was the fulfillment of those words. As for speaking in tongues, Jesus explained how a person will know if they have received the Holy Spirit in this way the wind blows where it wills and you hear the sound of it but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes so it is with every one who is born of the spirit john 3 verse 8 the lord was explaining that every one who is born of the holy spirit that is who has received the holy spirit will be known because you will hear the sound of the spirit just as we do not know where the wind comes from or where it goes to We know it exists because we hear the sound of the wind. So too, we do not know where the Holy Spirit comes from, although we know the Spirit comes from God, or where it goes to, but we can hear the sound of the Spirit. At Pentecost, they heard the sound of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues when they received the Spirit. This is the sound of the Holy Spirit, and tongues is the primary manifestation of the Spirit to all who receive the Holy Spirit. Just to put to bed another myth about the Holy Spirit, there are some people who believe the Spirit is simply a force and not a spiritual being. But can a force speak? Can it counsel, teach, guide, and show the truth? And would Jesus refer to the Holy Spirit as he or him, as Jesus does in many instances? For example, in this particular instance in John chapter 16, verse 13-14, when the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. John 16, verses 13 and 14. Now, I don't know if you counted them, I emphasized them, but eight times in this section, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as a person. Do these words sound like Jesus was referring to just an inanimate force? No. The Holy Spirit is not simply a force, but is an angelic being sent by God to help us find the way to salvation. From all of this information, we can deduce that the Holy Spirit is an angel, but he is not God. And as an extension of this, there is no such thing as a trinity. In fact, the doctrine of trinity is a false doctrine that has its roots in paganism, And I'll talk more about that when I get to the 28th chapter of this book, which will be in a few more podcasts from now. Receiving the Holy Spirit is critical and is necessary for us if we are to attain perfection in Jesus Christ. Transforming the people of God into the image of Jesus Christ is the primary work of the Holy Spirit. While some people may receive the Holy Spirit as the first disciples did at Pentecost, where the Lord just gives them the Holy Spirit, the most common way people receive is through the laying on of hands. We do not automatically receive the Holy Spirit when we are baptized or when we believe, as some churches teach. It is by the laying on of hands and prayer that the Holy Spirit is received and given to people. And we see a number of examples of this in the Bible. For it had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. Here we see the example of when Philip the evangelist preached the word in Samaria. The people believed the word of the Lord as preached by Philip, and they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, but they did not automatically receive the Holy Spirit. It was not until the apostles, Peter and John, came down from Jerusalem and laid hands on the people, praying for them to receive the Holy Spirit, that the gift of the Spirit was given by God. Another example is when Paul first came to Ephesus and found a dozen disciples of John the Baptist and preached the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. It says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Acts chapter 19, verses 1-6 to This small group of people believed in the Lord and were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, but they did not receive the gift of the Holy Spirit until after Paul laid hands on them and prayed for them to receive this gift. Furthermore, we know they received the Holy Spirit because they heard the sound of the Spirit as they all spoke in tongues. In most cases, to receive the Holy Spirit, it is necessary for the laying on of hands to occur. There are some instances where the Lord will just give a person the Holy Spirit, as we saw at Pentecost. But there is usually a special reason why it occurs that way, rather than through the laying on of hands. In the case of the Pentecost experience, there were no people with the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the disciples, and it needed to be a powerful experience for the disciples and the people around them as the church began. It was also necessary to fulfil the prophecy we saw in Hebrews 1 about the angels being winds and fire. There are only two other instances recorded in the New Testament where people received the Holy Spirit without the laying on of hands. The first was when Jesus received the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove after being baptised. The second was when the Gentiles in the house of Cornelius first received the Holy Spirit. The purpose of this Was to prove to the Jews that the promise of the Holy Spirit was for all mankind and not just the Jews. And once again, we saw those Gentiles speaking in tongues after they received the Holy Spirit. And you can read Acts chapter 10 if you want to look at this for more information. Thus, we note that one of the most important purposes for the laying on of hands was to receive the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus received the Holy Spirit after he was baptised, and it was by the working of the Holy Spirit that he completed all of his mighty works. Today, we too need to receive the Holy Spirit if we are to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, for this is the primary work of the Holy Spirit in us. We also need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to support the Church and ourselves as we grow and mature in Jesus Christ. All of the gifts of God are given for a reason and they all have a purpose and a benefit, including speaking in tongues, which is another thing that is much misunderstood in the churches. Speaking in tongues is outside the scope of this book. However, if you want to know more about how to receive the Holy Spirit and how to receive and use the gift of tongues, there is a wealth of information about this on my website, freegiftfromgod.com. Just search for Speaking in Tongues, Receiving the Holy Spirit or Walking the Spirit in the search bar on the website. Healing the Sick As I mentioned earlier, there are many other reasons why laying on of hands was practiced. The only other one I will mention here is for the purposes of healing the sick, and often, or usually, this was accompanied by the anointing with oil. Jesus miraculously healed many people while he walked the earth. And the apostles did likewise as Jesus sent them out to anoint with oil and heal. We see also that Jesus was active in laying on hands to heal the sick in a number of scriptures. In the book of James, we see that the ministry of healing was given to the church so that anyone could seek healing. It was appointed that the elders of the church be given the authority to anoint sick people with oil and pray over them for the purpose of healing. As they prayed they would lay hands on the sick person and petition the Lord for the healing of the person. Other uses for the laying on of hands mentioned in the Bible were to appoint elders, appoint people to ministry and to bless children. These can and should still be done today, especially in the case of anointing elders. But it is in relation to receiving the Holy Spirit that the laying on of hands is a most important foundation teaching. That's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting, and I hope you will join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true church of God. Next week, I will continue with part four of this chapter on the six foundations of Christianity. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free e-book titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. God bless.